Welcome to Raiders Review with Blake and the Pork. I'm the Pork. I'm Blake. And are you excited, Blake? I was about to say, you just you sort of opened there fairly subdued. I mean, this is just incredible. What an, what an amazing week. Mm. What an amazing turn of events. I mean, at the start of the year, or even last year, who'd have thought there would ever be a, a Raiders Review with Blake and the Pork grand final edition? Well, some of us dared to dream, some, Blake. Some, some, some of us dared to dream, Blake. Some of us dared to dream, but we'll, we'll get to that. But you, you, this, of course, is the third most popular Raiders podcast, possibly fourth. We don't know for sure, but we're going to claim third most popular Raider podcast on the internet, coming to you from a filthy storeroom hidden somewhere in Civic, the location of which we will never reveal, will we, Blake? No. Um, with the dubious support of the Greenhouse in so much that they're very dubious about supporting us. Um, and, of course, by our primary sponsors, Landspeed Records. Come in and buy products from people who love the Raiders as much as you do. And check out in the window the awesome display of uh, of jerseys for my jersey collection currently in the window. We've got one, um, which they're both actually players' jerseys. Oh. One, uh, I sort of belonged to Chris O'Sullivan at one stage, and is I bought off right? a bloke who bought it off another bloke who got it from England. Oh, but, anyway, right. <laughs> but it is it is actually legit players' jersey, number 18. Like, sounds legit. <laughs> and the other one is a signed uh, jersey from about 2008, 2009. Uh. That number five belonged to Adrian Pertell, and he personally gave it me that one. Is and that it's, a, right? it's a pretty ugly jersey, though, I've got to say that one, because it's got the huge white... CMFEU oh, yeah, logo, yeah, no, which dominates. Yes, it does. It when does they went dominate. to the second, the later CMFEU, where it was just the letters on mm. the paler jersey, that was better. But this is the first generation. Well, I actually have worn it a few times, and um, it's really sort of loose around the arms yeah. and then really tight around the stomach. Well, so I'd, I'd like to say my uh, circa 1993 milk jersey, which I uh, was a bit loose around me, but I've been trying to get that on, and I, I, I can probably get it on with a shoehorn. <laughs> Just not get it off. <laughs> but it will either have to be cut off or it will be, uh, you know, you know, stay there forever. But... Um, one thing that should be noticed, and on the back of that uh, that jersey is the number seven, and the signature Ricky Stewart is there, which was renewed the other year as well. Um, because as people, when's would... when's when's the tattoo? When's the tattoo coming on? What do you mean? When's the tattoo? Oh right. Yeah, yeah. If you noticed, how I can't <laughs> I can't sit cross legged at the moment. Um, Pro- property of Ricky Tramp Stamp. Yeah, is or, that what you got? Whatever, whatever it takes, whatever Ricky wants. Now we should just at this moment um, welcome all the bandwagon fans who clearly would be listening to the podcast now oh, for the first time. Yes, they would. And welcome to you, bandwagon, fa- bandwagon fags. And those of us, fans, not fags, um, those of us who have been annoyed by bandwagon supporters in the past, e.g. Blake and I, who have never left the side of the green machine, all through the dark times, neither of us have ever left. We've continued to go. We would usually be very irritated by your presence, but I have been told personally by Jared Croker that he loves you, bandwagon fans. He wants you to go there. He wants you to yell very loudly. He wants you to keep yelling. He doesn't mind that you're on a bandwagon. He loves that you're on a bandwagon because it's, there's a bandwagon to be on. But Blake well, and I, we're not as impressed with you. No, no, it's, it's okay. It's okay. You know, the more the merrier. You know, when there are dark times, there's 6,000 people, you know, yeah. in 2000. Six, yeah, well, whatever. In 2010 or 11 or, you know, whenever, yeah. whenever you want to pin, put a pin in the map as the darkest point, the I lowest I believe ebb. the lowest ebb, and I'm calling on this, the lowest ebb is 68-4 in 2013 against the Melbourne Storm at home. I believe that to be the lowest ebb. We had Ferguson and Dugan had gone. We were just about to sack David Ferner. 
Um, everything went completely pear-shaped. Any light at the end of the tunnel had turned out to be a train, um, and I believe that was the lowest ebb. Yeah. And I think then the dawn, the dawn came. The dawn came shortly after that when our saviour, our prodigal son, Ricky Stewart, returned to the club. Well, we were excited. And at the time when Ricky was coming back, I thought, it's either going to be rocks or diamonds. It's been a bit of both. It's but, been a bit of both. But it was well and truly, and you know, certainly proved right now, we had to roll the dice because yeah. we couldn't settle for mediocrity and, no. and, and another low-profile, you know, cheap option coaching appointment. We needed to go out, give the keys to Ricky... And give him, give him the money to you know set up the club the way he wanted it to be run and everything else, and it's it's paid off. And, and credit to the club. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. By by sticking past him because there's been a couple of times you know in seventeen and eighteen where they could have said this experiment hasn't worked, but they've never even even looked like that. Don Ferner Jr. and the rest of the board have haven't even for a moment considered that. They knew they were on the right track, and they were going there, and they backed him a hundred percent. But uh, he's got his own team now. This is the thing about this team. Apart from Whiten, Papali, uh, Croker and Sam Williams, every other player has been brought in by Ricky. Yeah. This is a team completely of his making. And, and we're now seeing the results of that. Um, his ability to actually get players in and identify who is going to be good and make a culture where it was there and then you know really bring these players in who... You know, we got turned by, down by Tedesco, Proctor, Jared Rea, Hargraves, uh, Josh Mantor. You know, they all turned us down. They didn't want to come for any money. They Ennis. didn't want to come. Yeah, Ennis as well didn't want to come. He would have come if we'd given him three years. Um, but they, they, they didn't want to come for any money. Um, and he had to work around that. And he's made a culture in which now we have players here that people want to come and play with. Then there's no question about it. And there's yeah. a culture here that players want to come and play in. And that is down to Ricky. And... Um, a few of us, you know, not too many of us, a few of us have stood by him through thick and thin and given him our complete and utter support. And I'm proud to say I'm one of them. And, and Blake, you, you have an excerpt from last year, I believe, we're, we're going to play. By the end of the 2020 season, no Raiders fan will be living without a premiership. And I tell you that now. I make you that promise. And Ricky will take us to that promised land. And you'll see, you'll all see, he will fight and he will win. And I will stand firm with Ricky Stewart. I will stand firm with Ricky Stewart because I know no one, no one is trying harder for our club. He has come back as our saviour and he will save us. And I don't care what you guys say. You will stick with him and you'll stand behind him if I have to drag you there by your hair. And I think I've been vindicated <laughs> by that. And it's I spooky. It is spooky. And I like to think, I like to think I have dragged a few of you with me by the hair. But, um, you know... One of the things is you pick and you stick and you stand by people and you say to them, you know what, I'm going to stand by and do whatever I can. I am your bitch. I said that to Ricky. Uh, I'm your, you know, I'm on your side no matter what, come hell or high water. And he said to you, Tim, you're a Raiders man to the core. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I like to... He I'm, said, don't listen to that guy that calls you a suck hole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't let him know that you <laughs> he called me a suck hole. Anyway, that was pretty good. But let's let's get the Rabbitohs win. The Rabbitohs win. Defence, defence, defence. It was scrappy. And look, going into that game, I was incredibly nervous because oh, yeah. everyone was tipping us. Uh, we were expected to win. Mm-hmm. You know, people have written off the Rabbitohs and, and we all knew that mm. it wasn't going to be easy and it was it was far from easy. I mean, oh. the defence was really what got us home it and, was, and yeah. an incredible, you know, a performance for the ages from Josh Papali. Oh my goodness gracious me. How good was Josh Papali in that match? I mean, seriously now. 
Seriously, how good was Josh Papali? It was ridiculous how good he was. When I said at the start of the game, I kind of thought that he was the the uh, best forward in the game. Mm. At the end of the game, I just thought he was the best player, full stop. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's right. I mean, he went from... In that match, he went from the beginning of the final series. After he's put... No, once he's put that ball down over the try line for the Melbourne Storm victory down there at Amy Park in the first time we beat yeah. him in the home and away, when he scored that particular try... I think we were saying that he was one of the best props in the game, one yeah. of the top four props in the game. I think since that point there, he's he's gone in front of everyone. He's gone in front of Tapao, he's gone in front of Clemmer. Um, yeah. He's, he's gone in front of all of them, and he is, he's in a league of his own. He, and I think lots of people are doing this, are regarding him the same way as people have regarded Jason Taumalolo in 2017. Yeah. It's, it's slightly different style, but Very still, different style, but the same sort of impact, impact on games yeah. where you actually look at someone and say, you know... Um, and the thing against the, the Rabbitohs game is we really struggled for uh, metres. And yep. basically, outside of Papali, none of the forwards really made a whole lot of metres. I think the, the, the sort of person that made the next metres was um, full-back aside was Leilua with hit-ups. Yeah, and he did very well. I think, I think we, can, we can say very happily that uh, Joey Leilua did awesomely well in that match. I was extremely happy with him in that match. I thought he did ex- exceptionally well. Um, and you know he was very good, but when when you actually consider that in the the second half we had ten percent less ball than they did. Yeah, we had on every stat we were behind. We had sixteen sets to their twenty two. We know what they were really good at doing, which we weren't. And this is something. There's a lot of things we'd need to improve on um, before the grand final. But they just got repeat set after repeat set. Mm. I think there was a one stage we had to defend five sets in a row. Yeah, five sets in a row. And they held them out. And yeah. I believe Sia stripped the ball to get us the damn thing <laughs> back. Thank God. And talking about players who were awesome, how good was Sia Soliola in that match? He's great. He's he, great. He is, he is the, he's the spiritual leader. I mean, you know, drum beating and all. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's not the captain, but he's, he's the spiritual leader of the side, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, there's no question about it. No question. And then when CNK got sin-binned, um, and great run chasing down Ren Diggity. Yes. I think he did really well doing that. And he took off and he had no intention of doing anything but, you know, tackling him. And um, Reynolds knew. Reynolds knew 20 metres from being tackled that he was not going to make it and he was going to be tackled. And there was not a South Sydney player in support. Yeah, it's one of those ones at the time when, when CNK went to the sin bin. I was like, oh, no, it's happened again. But you look back, it was, it was the right call. It was justified, yeah, more look, so than a Jack Whiten against Storm. Look, there's a, a young man there who's now got his own show on, on Fox. He's called Zach Bailey. Now, he might look like a pretty boy mug and stuff like that, but he's actually he was nice to people before he was anybody. He was always nice to me, and we used to chat. And I said to him after the match, I was a bit sorry for Ben Cummins, who subsequently got the cheap lead whistle, because I thought that sin binning would actually um, cost him a grand final berth. And Zach said, no, 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 turn it around. Imagine if that had been ruled, imagine the furor and the uproar if that had been ruled a knock-on. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. And when I thought about it from that perspective, it was sort of like, well, there's not much we can do about that. But I think the team lifted from that point. They've been practicing defending all year with 12. They did it brilliantly from that point. They didn't even look like at any time. Well, there's the track record's there because, you know, we we did it against the Dragons. Yeah. Um, when Nick Kotrick was sent off and, and scored then, more points against them after yeah, he was sent and, off than and, we same had with the, and same with the Storm game we had two players in the bin and we still managed to win that one as well so yeah it's incredible but all it's it's so weird because it's like we're working on defence now we're working on these scenarios where we have 12 men we're working on 
what the hell were they doing before they started working on these things? I don't know. <laughs> what I were they know. doing at training? I, don't know. <laughs> I think they were they were doing attacking plays, but you know, Ricky said we're gonna we're gonna defend our way to a premiership. That's the way it's going to go. And, and you know, we're working on the scenarios, and we've really seen that has really you know mm. come together this year. There hasn't yep. been in the key moments, you know. Season set up for field goals. He's taken field goals when they're off. There's been more cohesion there. Um, In attack, though, against South, the cohesion was lacking a bit. I think in attack, maybe it was the pressure of the occasion. The instance that really comes to mind is when Jack Whiten went through, Mm. got tackled, and then off the back of that, the next four or five tackles were just the worst you could possibly imagine. Mm. And we didn't even look like scoring. Yeah, and in fact, he got it on the third tackle after that, and he was absolutely gassed. Yeah, yeah, coming through. Um, that yeah, that, there was. They were definitely set up for defending. I, but and I really did think our best attack came when we were down to twelve because Josh Hodgson got in there at dummy half and just directed the traffic around. He was he was very careful and they just exactly what he said with the ball in hand. And you got the impression that South Sydney were just standing back there waiting to get the ball again and exploit that we had twelve men. Yeah, because Liam Knight's. Loose arm attempted tackle on Josh Papali is is a thing that he will not be, want shown in his showreel because it was pathetic. And the instant Papali came out the other side of that, basically what it amounted to one of those you know fly curtains you used to get in the old takeaway shops, you know that's what it amounted to, nothing more. You know it was an obstruction. And Damien Cook, poor bastard, didn't have a very good match. All of a sudden, gets Josh Papali running at full pelt straight yeah. towards him. <laughs> he had no chance. Went off like a. He gave up. He was giving up away about forty kilos. Yeah, he went off like a pinball, and then the guys behind him weren't even set for it. No, you know? so he went. It was actually an easy try. But I mean, we did we did do a very good job, I think, of uh, nullifying Damien Cook. Maybe yep. that's something that the better teams have now have worked him out a, a, a bit. Um, whether or not we can, you know, nullify the Roosters' strike players yeah. to the same extent yeah. remains to be seen. I mean, they've got so much strike. Oh, so much. And the thing is, too, there, there's talk, you know, that you've seen they've named Jake Friend in uh, in the reserves, not on the bench, yeah. but in the reserves. There is no way in the world they will play Jake Friend. That That is just asking, asking for trouble. Um, he's not fit. He has no match fitness whatsoever. He's very possibly an injury croc. I think the next thing we hear at Jake Friend is a retirement speech. I mean, seriously, that's what it is. He, he's... It must be disappointing for him, but let's not forget he's won a premiership. He's won a couple of premierships. You know, he's done all right out of the whole kick. Sam Verrills is playing good football. He's got a brilliant pass. He's quick out of dummy half. He might have only played 10 games, but they've been a good 10 games. This kid is a star of the future. Of that, there's no doubt. There's no way in the world he's not starting that game at hooker. Just none. I still think that... um Friend is a possibility for the bench, but people are saying you don't... You know, you, you can't afford to carry someone on the bench. Well... We carry Bailey Simonson on the bench, and it's every time he's on the bench, he actually gets when, called into the action. But we're not carrying him. He's not. He's not injured, and he covers all the outside backs. He covers fullback. He covers wings, and he covers the centres. So he, he's not being carried. But if he's not called on, I don't think you lose that much because you know, if you look at when you've got someone like Papali, who's going to play so many big minutes, and everything else, you're always going to have one spot on the bench mm. that's going to be barely utilised. Mm. Speaking of the bench, Ryan Sutton. He's fallen out of favour, hasn't he? And and um... uh, I I think I, I the word I'd heard was that Emre Gula was a bigger body. Yeah, and that's that's what I'd heard. I haven't heard anything else. But one thing I will say is Ryan Sutton is upbeat. He's positive. He's right there with the team. He's being exceptionally supportive of it. You wouldn't know for a second. I mean, he's surely disappointed in that thing. But the way he holds himself, and I did have the honour of standing next to him during the preliminary final watching the match. Um, the way he holds himself is 
anything but negative. He's extremely positive. He's very upbeat about the whole thing. Um, so while I, I was surprised that he wasn't there, um, at this stage, the chances of me questioning Ricky Stewart's calls on these things uh, is nil. Yeah. So there, there's obviously a reason behind it, and um, that's the way it's going to go. Um, but, yeah, he, he's there. But one of the things you should note from this is the two packs taking on each other in this grand final, the two lightest packs in the NRL, clearly showing the way forward with the reduced interchanges, that the days of the big, big boppers, yeah. the George Roses, they're gone. Yeah. They are gone. Shannon Boyd, dare we say it? Yeah, well, did he even play in the Burley Bears grand final? I don't know. I don't know. Right. And it's a sad tale because Shannon was the beloved son of this side, uh, of this club. Yeah. But um, the days of the big, big bopper... He was gone. probably right to take the, the, the big bucks when they were on offer. Yeah, and I think he was because I don't think... I think to be in the modern game, especially with talk of them now going down to, to six interchanges, and that's really back on the agenda in a big way, you cannot carry a player that can do less than 50 minutes in a game. Yeah. You can't do it. It's not possible. And really, ideally, any player you've got on your side has to be able to do 60. You know, Sia can do 60. That's what he can do. He can do 60 minutes and he can do 40 really good ones. Um, there were times last season where, you know, Shannon Boyd was pulling less than, you know, 30 minutes or, yeah. or just on and they weren't good. Yeah. yeah and it, there's no place the, for that the, the side. The second stint was 10 minutes and it was pretty... Yeah. It was pretty ordinary. Oh, yeah. it could be really ordinary. I feel sorry for him because he was really good at the points, but... Um, yeah, but the defence against the, the Rabbitohs was awesome and scoring when we were down to 12. Um, I want to draw attention to, I mean, it, it gets boring, um, uh, but we, we need to go back to a segment we haven't done for a while and it's uh, why we love John Bateman. Bateman! No, 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 no. no. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Bateman. Bateman! Why do we love John Bateman? Why don't we love John Bateman? Why? Uh, it's... It's interesting timing, but go on. Um, we love John Bateman because he keeps turning up and he is just an utter competitor. There, He gives his opposition no peace in attack and defence. No peace. At no stage is he anything but 100%. He is a nutter. There is no question in my mind that he is, he is a nutter. And he scares the other sides with the intensity with which he approaches the match. He everything he does, even when things don't go right, it's dangerous. You know, when he when he stripped the ball and things didn't go right and they got a repeat set, they were still put off their their balance, South Sydney, because it was like, God, will you just leave us alone just for a bloody second? Will you leave us alone? Um, he was just absolutely brilliant. But his mate Elliot, smiling Elliot, you know, looks all cheerful and stuff like this. My goodness gracious me. The defensive effort of that guy, the big tackles he put in, the one that, you know, everyone said it was Tarpanay had dislodged that ball, wasn't it? It was Elliot. Yeah. Elliot laid on three massive tackles in that match that completely swung the momentum in, in the Raiders' favour because they were so damn dominant, and he's so good at it. I'm still a little bit annoyed that he wasn't talked in Meninga Medal um, talk. I'm still a bit annoyed that he's not talked in second round of the year because he is so tough. He is so mean. He is a piece of damn iron. Um I, I think the biggest chance we have in this weekend's grand final is on the back of those two Englishmen. I, I think the spirit and the the absolute... They're not scared of you. They're not going to show you any respect. They're going to go out there and play the hardest game. And while you've got those sort of people in the side, they can really put other people off. Well, the theory is that um, Elliot Whitehead is going to try and perform the, the Wade Graham-esque role mm. of getting stuck into Cooper Cronk. Because Wade Graham at... at Origin level and notably the 2016 grand final was just all over Cooper Cronk, mm. sweating on him the whole time. And if there's a player that we have that can do that role, 
it's Elliot Whitehead, and obviously he's on that side. Yeah, uh, Tarpano would be the other one. Yeah, Tarpano's got the speed to get out to him quickly as well. But the, yeah. the issue is Joe's been playing strange minutes. He's been going on and then coming off and spending a long period on the bench as well. So I'm not sure he's he's actually getting the man who does that. You know, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I think, but I don't think Cooper's as um, central to that team as he once was. I think Kiri is central to that team. But Kiri is is a bit hobbled. Do you think he is? Yeah, he's he's a bit he's a bit limpy. Eh, I'll believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. They'll yeah. needle him up. It's just on the back end whether he starts hobbling around it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But look, at the end of the day, they've still got James Tedesco. And I know he, he's, he's the, the one. He's, he's really he's the best guy, best player in the world at the present yeah, moment. Yeah, he's the one we really have to try and work out. You know how we nullify. Mm. But you were you were mentioning things that uh, wasn't such good timing. Um, so we'll get to that sliding door moment. Sliding door moment. James Tedesco. He could have been up at the Raiders, and still we could be coming up against him. In mm. there, <laughs> that's what he said in a recent interview. He said even if I had gone to the Raiders, I probably still would have ended up at the. Or I probably still could have ended up at the Roosters. Yeah, 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 that's true. So there's no guarantees that if we'd well, signed him, we would have been able to keep him anyway. Hi, Alan Sung here, former Canberra Raiders captain. And you know what? I don't really listen to podcasts, but if I did, I'd probably listen to the third most popular Canberra Raiders one, Raiders Review with Blake and the Pork. Yeah, Blake on the burst. Okay, everyone knows it. Everyone's heard it, you know. As of, yesterday, as of Tuesday, we're all basking in glory. This is the greatest week as a Raiders fan in 25 years, and then some prick called Isaac Moses decides to go and just spoil the whole thing for us. He, uh, John Bateman's recently linked with Isaac Moses, player, manager, um, who has now well and truly overtaken Sam Ayub as the biggest grub in the manager ranks. And it's not speaking very hard. They're all varying degrees of, of germs and grubs and cockroaches and parasites, but he is well and truly the most despised of all of them. And just to, to come out and agitate and say that um, John Bateman might leave the club because he's not getting paid enough money, you know, three days out from the grand final is just, just the most disgusting and despicable thing. And the, the media, you know, obviously grabs hold of these stories. So many stories in rugby league uh, are just created by these terrible player managers. I mean, I had a gripe about it early in the season with um, the whole thing with um, Clint Gutherson. You know, and then Parramatta were on such a good run, and then suddenly his manager, who was Sam Ayub, came out and destabilised the whole thing. Then by complaining about it. he wasn't getting paid enough money and, and everything else. The other day, we paid a transfer fee for John Bateman. Mm. He signed on for three years for four hundred thousand or whatever it is. Should he be getting paid more than that? Yes, he probably should. I'm sure the club will will if we look to extend his contract, will also then factor in, you know, an an increase in in the remaining years. But I just think the whole thing's really distasteful. Fortunately, John Bateman has come out now and and tried to put the whole thing to rest. But yeah, it's just, it's just it's just terrible, terrible timing, and it's just really just just the sort of grubby tactics of these managers. I really don't like. They have way too much control in the game, say in the game, the agenda and everything else. And yeah, we just didn't need it. One of the things the player man. Oh, and one thing I will say about the player managers: they don't care what you or I think. They don't care that we think they're low-life scum. They don't care. They probably enjoy it. So it doesn't matter that we rail against them. They don't care. Um, but one of the things that they will have to come to terms with, um, and it's coming sooner rather than later, with the death of print media, and it is it is dying, you know, like you've still got the Telegraph, the Courier Mail, and the, you know, the Herald Sun still operating, but they're in decline and they're going to digital in a big way. Canberra star. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with, with that sort of stuff going down, what you're finding now is that 
the demagogue journalists, the big guys who've been around and have all the power that the player managers will talk to, once this current mob retire or move on, they're not going to be replaced with new big names. The new big names are ex-players that will be on the Fox shows and so on. That's where the money will well, still I think be one of the, things, the cult of personality. One of the things that people found really distasteful about this story and the way it broke, though, it was, it was Chamis, right? And it was on the official NRL website. So he's not one of the old breed. He's not like a... a yeah, demagogue dinosaur. Yes. As um, I got blocked for calling uh, Buzz Rothfield. He's though. not a Buzz Rothfield. He's not a Crawley. He's not one of those. He's not a Paul Kent. He's the new young breed. And he's done it on the, the official NRL website. I'm sure I got a bazillion hits and however else they judge it. But the NRL, you should be disgraced to yourself as well, I think, putting mm. out this story as well. No, well, the NRL is lord of themselves. And let's remember in this grand final week that the NRL is not a public body. The NRL is not the focal point of the Australian Rugby League and it's not the focal point of the New South Wales or the Queensland Rugby League. They're all beholden to it because they are the competition that runs the game in the country. But they don't have, you know, we have no rights, we have no votes, we never will. The clubs barely have rights or votes within that area. You know, they can tell their story walking. They are a law unto themselves. They can operate how they feel like. They're not beholden to us. So they don't have to sit there and think about the greater good. Well, the problem they is They think too, about marketing. Yeah, and the problem and is too revenue. in the digital age, the NRL wants their website to be the dominant website. Yeah. They don't want the Daily Telegraph to be the dominant website for news or whatever else for yeah. content. They want to control that. They want to have that. Yeah, you know, they want totally. to have their own thing. That's why they have their own tipping comp or they have their own, yeah. um, you know, fantasy comp or whatever because they don't want some other party getting all the revenue, the oxygen, and, and all yeah, the rest that's of right. it. So they'll sink to these sort of tactics. But yeah, I just think it's disgraceful. And if I was Ricky Stewart, you know, and you're at the Open Media Day or whatever else, you want to talk about all the good things. Mm. You don't want to be getting questions about this. Imagine just, yeah, just... It would be annoying. It's just a kick in the guts. It's just a kick in the guts. At the same time, showing the money. Of course, but at the same time as well, it's like showing the money. Yes, he should be upgraded, but... When you heard the term $400,000... I knew he would have come for that sort of money... Because I didn't. No, I thought he'd come from much more than that. No, no. Do you know what Josh Hodgson came to the Raiders first of all? Yeah, I know. 200000 Yeah, yeah. That because the money in the Super League is not what it used to be. No. The salaries are... And well, you know what Josh Hodgson's on now? Yeah, I know what he's on now because right. he's, he's earned it. He's and earned so, it. But he's, he, he didn't, six months into his $200,000 contract, demand to be instantly upgraded. He re-signed and then got paid, you know... A wage that was represented his standing. Yeah, in his but there's a whole lot of people who want John Bateman right now. People would want Josh Hodgson, but he's locked up, and he's locked up at money. They're not going to get him away. But people will also be looking at John Bateman, thinking, "I can get John Bateman. He's he's going to be quality signing. He's got a lot of years in him. He's going to add value in so many different ways. He's got a huge value." And the Raiders realised that with C and K and upgraded. They realised that with Bailey Simonson, they've upgraded. They've realised that with Elliot Whitehead and Ryan Sutton and upgraded. But John Bateman also has to have that realised. And quite frankly, unfortunately, he's going to be quite expensive. And, yes. And, and rightly so, um, which means there's going to be... So there's the, not everyone can win. With no. everyone for someone to win, where there's winners, there's losers. Someone lose. has to lose. But you've got to balance it out too because you, know, you don't want to have a, a, a manly situation where oh yeah you can't you can't afford to have a, a cherry evans on a 10 million dollar deal it, yeah. you, you, you can't do it it throws out the balance of the side and i still think that the balance of the the cowboys has been thrown out by the town malolo deal as well you know and yeah. you saw the balance of the swans going changing codes thrown out by the buddy franklin deal they, it throws out the balance of a side because you have to you know it doesn't even matter if you're fiddling the books or there's brown paper bags there's only so far those things can go when you've got one player controlling that much of a salary cap 
you know, it, it's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing. But Bateman's worth the money. But I can see why that uh, that uh, makes you go on the burst, Blake. I can. But there are, in fact, though, reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. Part three. One, two, three. So many. So many reasons. So many. But the first grand final in 25 years. I, I, was, I, was, I was at the 1994 grand final, Blake. I watched it on TV. Mm. I watched it at a friend's house. The only grand final I've been to was 1997. Mm. But I'm going to this one, so hopefully... Yeah. I get to go to a winning one this time. But the 87 one was a bit like a celebration just being there. Well, which it kind of is this time around as well. It kind of is this but, time too. But I think they're a chance. And they're, and, and that's, the, that's the main reason to be cheerful here. In 2017, when the Cowboys got in, you sort of knew they were on a wonder run. And maybe they could pull it off. Maybe they could do the Cinderella story. In 2009, when the Eels went on that run, you thought maybe, maybe, maybe they could do it. And they were very close to it. But this is different. This isn't a Cinderella story in the sense that they've come from nowhere. They, this, is, this side's been building and they've been getting not more attacking towards the end and running in, you know, like with, with Parson and this stuff. Their defence has been getting grittier and grittier and grittier and grittier and their belief has been getting greater and greater and greater. And one thing that the Roosters will be basically seeing in this area is, yeah, we've got this great attack and we've got this experience and we technically outgun them. But this side doesn't, isn't beholden to anybody. This side doesn't back down to anyone. This side is not scared of anybody. This side is not going to show us respect. They are going to come at us as hard as anyone does. So they know they're going to have to play their best football to beat the Raiders. Now, I think their best football can. And I yeah. think, and I think you know, like you can only limit the damage of James Desco. I don't think you can stop him. Yeah. And, and you know, without, you know, Terry Lambing the whole situation, which I don't think our side's going to do um, within this with this area but I think we genuinely have a chance um, within this but it really does rely on that line holding because the instant we let them score over 16 points yeah the chance of us winning go through the floor the instant yeah. they go to get over 20 or over the statistics say that we don't win you yeah. know we've won two matches this season where our opponents have scored over 20 points and neither isn't it that is, that is the most incredible turnaround though isn't it, it when is. you think about past we used to have to score 28 or 30 to win a game that's right what do you think the biggest score has been put on against the Raiders this year be Roosters wouldn't it's it? Roosters 30 points yeah. 30 points they put on us that is the biggest score the next biggest after that is the Warriors putting on 24 you know, and that's yeah. and that was without a whole heap of players. And after that, there's some twenties and twenty twos. And after that, it is all under there. Yeah. And we've held three sides scoreless. Now they weren't great sides, but we held them scoreless. Yeah. And no, you know, like I, I think there might have been one other scoreless this year with Parramatta holding the Broncos scoreless, fifty eight nil. Yeah. And I think there might have been one other, but the Raiders have held sides scoreless three, three times. Yeah. This incredible. season, we and have improved as the season's gone on because you know for the first part of the season. The criticism was, well, we didn't beat any of the top sides. Well, mm. since then, mm. we've beaten Storm twice. Yeah. We've beaten the Rabbitohs. Yeah. we just got to beat the, the Roosters one yeah. more time. It's a bit like, you know, our record, particularly in Sydney, at the SFS against the Roosters, yeah, not has, not, has not been great. It hasn't been stellar. But when... Um, but let's remember, those were through the dark days. I know. I know. And you looked at the team. Sure, you look at that Roosters team... And you go, that is, that's an incredible team. What, mm. what a wonderful team. But then when you look at our team, it, mm. it's not that huge golf of like, you know... Yeah, there's, 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 there's no golf. There's Brad Fittler coming up against... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, Jason Bulgarelli. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and these things happen. But look, they got Isaac Liu in the front row with Maria Hargraves, which is great. Sam Verrills, I've already sung the praise of. He's great. Mitch Orbison, um, anyone who doubts him now is an idiot. Um, I was... I when, uh that game against the Storm, he was so... I mean, there's been all the stuff about Josh Hodgson being concussed. Wasn't yeah. he? Wasn't he? Orbison was as badly concussed as you'd see anyone. Yeah. And I'm surprised that he's been deemed right to play. Oh, yeah, no, he but was... But it's a grand final. Yeah, it's a grand final. Hey, look, he was fantastic. Uh, Cordner, no question about him. Uh, Victor Radley, you know, he, he's a great player and he's an absolute gun for, you know, 21 years of age. He's a gun. Cooper Cronk, we know who he is. Luke Keery has spoken of him. Manu and Mitchell are the best centre yeah. pairing in the NRL. I have no doubt in saying that. I love yeah. our boys. Brett Morris on one wing might be 407 years old. He's still got some pace. He's, got some, he's got some pace. Um, and, at, you know, 33 years of age, just turned. Um, and 269 games behind him. He's been there and he's done that. So you don't have to doubt. Danny Tupo, well, he's been there and done that. And He's back to career best form. Yeah, and, and look, it's no no mistake that when you've got someone like Cooper Cronk kicking for you or with his pinpoints, all of a sudden yeah. when you're six foot whatever he is, you're taking marks and scoring tries. And and he's very good at it. James Tedesco, best player in the NRL. Said it all. On the bench, Gus Crichton. He's, at the start of the year, he looked like a bit of a dud signing. Not no more. But no, yet. since sort of post-origin and stuff, he has... Ted Ivano and Butcher are also playing great. And Takiaho is the starting player sitting on the bench. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's as good a side as you're going to see going around. Are you going to give us the extended bench just one last time for the year? Okay, the extended <laughs> bench, just for all you listeners out there. We've got Lindsay Trace Collins. we got Drew Hutchison, who gives some back up in the halves we got Jake Friend and we've got Ryan Hall the English winger who's come over and played six games he's under he's underachieved I think that I was a big fan of Ryan Hall in the Super League mm. but I think that he maybe left his move to the NRL a little bit late a little bit late and, look, and, that, and that does happen there yeah so and he's, he's had a few injuries and it's interesting Drew Hutchison's on there, but I guess they always have cover for a half there. So Soliola, Hodgson and Papali, great front row right there. Whitehead and Bateman, I think, better than their second row. Yeah. Um, Tarpane is the, is the match of Victor Radley. So I think in the pack there, I think we're highly competitive. Yeah. I think we're highly competitive. In the halves, Caesar and Whiten, I love them both. Caesar's playing his career best form now. Whiten um, just... Um, um, goes from strength to strength and will be he, he's one of the players I see being a, a particular threat to the Roosters Yeah, uh, both in attack and defence Leilua and Croker Croker last week in defence was outstanding yes he was outstanding yes. put on he, some good shots he not only put some good shots when they ran at him and ran at him and ran at him when we, they were camped on our line for that extended period of time he did not miss one he didn't even look like missing one. And he made some that desperately needed to make or there were going to be tries. It was his career best defence. He was absolutely outstanding. Um, Joey Lalua coming back into the side was worth his weight in gold because he adds that bit of uncertainty. Like I was saying about John Bateman, um, anything could happen. With Joey Lalua, anything could happen. You don't know what it's going to be. But, but also, was, was, you know, it wasn't in the game against Souths, his, his real contribution wasn't the... the Round the corner, flick pass. It wasn't the flashy stuff. It was just the dirty yards. It was dirty yards. And using his his you know his big body to full effect. Yeah, coming and, out of our own end. And that's a really really good thing for him to be doing. And he's not going to leave anything on the turf here. No. And, and he's played in the grand final. He's our only player. Well, losing player. Yeah, but he's the only player. Ironically, for the Roosters. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But uh, that indeed. Um, but uh, also, don't forget that Soliola, uh, Whitehead, and Bateman have all played in Super yeah. League. 
finals. So I don't think Whitehead and, has. And so has Ryan. I don't think White, I don't think Whitehead's ever played in the Super League final. Then we got uh, no, might not. Then we got Kotrick and uh, Rappen on the wings, who were brilliant. And we got uh, CNK, who we just all love. We love you, CNK. We love you. Um, who's just brilliant and. He's been given a scare with that sin, Ben. He was terrified that he'd lost the match. He's not yes. going to leave anything out. He... I was terrified that we'd lost the match at that point. I pretty much had just resigned myself to the fact that we'd lost, which is why when Papali went over, hmm. that is probably as loud as I've screamed oh, and jumped up prolapsed. and down and thrown beer. And I damn near prolapsed else. my back door when that happened. I yelled so damn loud. Yeah. That was that was that was a moment that you know will will stay with us forever. I think it'll be one of those yeah, ones. It was a huge mo- moment. He's just done it so often. Um, Bailey Simonson on the bench gives us that cover. We knows there. Uh, Gula has really uh, after a slower start to the season, he's really earning his stripes there. His defence has improved. Big red Corey Horsburgh. Great, great. He's just great wonderful. Impact. And Dynamis Louis. You know what? Just hang on to the ball, Demar. <laughs> oh, come on. Leave him alone. <laughs> Butterfingers. You leave him alone. He has been outstanding this season. He has been good most part of the season, but he's had a few errors um, at the back end, you know, when these are the games, these sort of games that, you know, an error, a I loose carry can, can be the difference between well, winning or losing. You know, and that, that that's possibly the truth. On the extended bench, we have our Sammy Williams, our wonderful Sammy Williams. We have Mr. Ryan Lyle. Sutton, we have Saliva Havili, and Sebastian Chris. All very worthy. And a big shout-out there to um, to Michael Oldfield. You would have been on that extended bench there, mate. You had a great season. Every time you, you stepped up, you stepped up well. And I'm disappointed for you that yeah, the injury took you out of there. Um, but um, that the two very good sides. I just... You just got to worry about their absolute strike power. Just the one real difference between the sides is James Tedesco. That's the one bit where you just think, "Geez, that guy's good." Yeah, it's the halves. It's the halves and Tedesco. I mean, but yeah. we have to, as supporters, we have to get to the ground. We have to scream. We have to wear green. We have to make sure that they know we're there, like we did. And I was so proud of all the Raiders supporters of that prelim. They did their. It job. was. It was the the vibe in the ground at at full time was. As good as anything I've ever experienced. But during the game, when the hard yelling, when the hard support had to be done, the supporters stepped up and did it. There was no polo crowd. There was no stepping back. They raged in behind the things and they lifted the players and the players said that themselves. Um, but one of the, the people who was there with me on Friday night uh, was our own Dennis Carnahan, of course, made the most awesome theme song for this uh, show. And he's, he's written a song specially to celebrate uh, the Raiders being in the first grand final since 21, uh, for 25 years. Green, 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 when I want food, green sausages with green onions, on green bread, whenever I want food, all I want to choose is green. In water fountains, green tower on Black Mountain. Wherever I look now, all I want to see is green, 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 green milk, green beer, green wine. Josh Hodgson, number nine. Whitehead Bateman, Papa PJ, 
Jack, Bailey, Toots and Nick Car trick, I'm dreaming of C and K The only uninjured part of C and K Is his heart, whatever I watch now All I wanna choose is green that is a rip-off of the Everly Brothers right there. Um, you know, a bit, bit low-key low here, but, you know, that's what Dennis wanted to do. But uh, there have been a few things that have annoyed me, uh, Blake. In fact, you might say they've ground my gears. You know what really grinds my gears? Let us know what they are. Okay, well, here's the thing. C&K got binned. Fair enough, he got binned. The ball came out, whatever. Why wasn't Dane Gagai binned for pulling Jack White back down to the ground when he was getting up to play the ball? That was... It's an interesting one because in the lead up to the game, um, I actually saw for the first time in a number of years replay of the Jack White and one against the Storm in 2016. Mm. The Gago one was pretty much exactly the same. Exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. And the same. you could you could let, you could let it be got away with, or it could be a bin. Yeah, you could, and it could. But the thing is, also with the CNK binning, you could let it get away with, or it could be a bin. Like I say, the CNK binning in at the time, I was outraged watching the game again in the sober light of day. With a win under your belt. <laughs> I could see why I was a sinner. Gagai had to be binned as well. In that circumstance, Gagai had to be binned as well. It ground my gears, Blake. It's the only thing that ground my gears, but it ground my gears. Well, I knew we knew going into that game someone's going to end up in the sin bin one way or another, and you know, yeah, yeah. I just had a bad feeling it was going to be a Raider. Let's hope that in the grand final we don't have a player sin bin. But it's an interesting thing, the whole way they officiated that game mm. and, and the last few games is it's like... It's hard to find the balance between well, putting the whistle away and blowing too many penalties. And the I think whistle has been put away from the finals. It has. And incredibly slow um, play, the balls. play the balls yeah. by both sides. Yeah, that's right. Against, against it's very deliberate. I mean, they were doing it, but we were doing it as well. Oh, yeah. We were doing it. And they showed us. When they beat us in that, that match earlier in the season by giving away penalty after yeah, penalty Yeah, Burgess got five penalty. penalties in row and didn't go to the sin bin. Yeah, that's right. Didn't go to the sin bin. They said to the Raiders, you know, like the referees basically said to the Raiders, right, if you're not doing that, you're not going to win. And, you know, the Raiders would be idiots if they weren't. Um, listener of the week, we have one. And it is the Raiders CFO, uh, Warwick Burr, who is, a Warwick. List- yeah, who is a listener to this show and is always Someone within the organisation listens to the show. Yeah, was I? Uh, lots of people listen to it. Um, but was I? He's, he's a long-time listener. And, you know, he came up to me in the dressing sheds after the victory and said, uh, I do remember last year on the podcast, your prediction <laughs> and your stout words, which we've heard earlier in the podcast, getting behind Ricky, you know? Are you going to play them? And I said, I think they might be located for this week, I said. So on you, was On you. Well, I had to dig it up for you on the weekend because you, you're not the technical one of the podcast. I just you? didn't even know how to do it, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're just going through old tweets from from uh, 14 months ago thinking, I, hang on. Oh, I can't find this. I don't know. <laughs> but now we get to the section of who's got to lift? Who's got to lift? It's not so matter, much a matter of lifting. It's a matter of someone I believe has a big game in them. I just believe Nick Kotrick has a big game coming. This, this is the sort of scene, and we saw him coming into to Origin. He's walked on the ANZ Stadium. He's played in that Origin match. He really had a dip. You know, he got injured, so he, he, he wasn't in after that. But he had a dip. I just got a feeling this is the sort of match that is made for Nick Kotrick to finally announce to the world just what a stunning talent he is. And it's not so much lifting. It's just, I reckon with you. 
I reckon we're due for a big Nicky Kotrick, and I'm really hoping. So how can we win this match? Well, like, speaking, of, speaking of the Nick Kotrick thing, um, mm. we, 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 so I'm sitting in 146.2. And I'm sitting in 145.2. And there's $100 between our tickets. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you got the better deal. I really think I did. But that's because I had the courage to buy my seats before the preliminary final was played. It wasn't so much that I didn't have the courage. It was just I always really thought if I buy them beforehand, that's the Raiders will definitely lose. Either it was a mozzer. Whereas I suddenly thought, well, here's the thing about that. Here's the thing about that. I was at the grand final in 1994 and I had my seats for that grand final in 1994 before that the prelim was played. I you said you scalped them from... No, we got some other ones scalped. I had other tickets oh, right. as well. So I already had a guaranteed seat. We The ones I sat in were scalped seats. Um, but no, So I already had it. So I realised it couldn't be a mozza for me because I've already had good good odds on that one. But yeah, no, I, I, I implored Blake to buy tickets with me beforehand but then uh, he wouldn't do it. So I went off with uh, AJ Mithen, another great long-time listener of our show. Um, and we, you, AJ. We're, we're, we're sitting next to each other. For, AJ, who said final. we shouldn't do a podcast this week because we didn't do one last week and the Raiders won. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we did one the week before and the Raiders won too. Exactly. So. Exactly. It used to be a while there where the last this, season, this, the, this the superstition coincided with the loss. I mean, how many more weeks do I have to wear these underwear for? Like, it's starting to get embarrassing at work. Um, how can we win? We can defend. We can keep defending like we don't. We do. Um, and we JC can, can kick all his goals. We can keep going. Uh, yeah, he knows it. He's been he's practicing. Uh, we can keep going at him. We can keep going at him remorselessly. Follow John Bateman into that fray. Just keep going. We can give. We can them rattle no, them. We can yeah, give them we can no rattle respect. them. Respect. No respect. Yeah, that's how we got to win. We've yeah. just got a desperation. And then we got to be audacious. We got to be audacious. We got to be audacious. We got to dare to win. And and you know what. I don't know if I'm going to cry if we get over the line. I'm probably going to cry if we don't. You know, I don't know. It's there's going to be tears. There's going to be tears. Um, you know, and then I'm we- psychologically preparing myself for both scenarios. And like I say, the game, if the game against Souths, and I think the players felt this as well. There was so much pressure not to fail. Yeah. Not to let it happen again and, yeah. and fall the last hurdle. And if we'd lost against Souths, you know, I would have been absolutely devastated. Yeah. And I think that's why the the relief. And the exuberance and exhilaration at the end. Look, I'm daring to dream that we can do it on the weekend, and I think the players will as well. And I think because of that, they won't be so shackled as they were against Souths. I think they no. will play more open and and more freely and 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 dare to dream. There's a lot of optimism in this, isn't there? There's the, there's the chance to win rather than the fear of losing. Yes. There's no, there's nothing. And that's what the Roosters, on the other hand, all the pressures on the Roosters. The pressure, you know, they're going in as the, the biggest grand final favourites. Mm. I mean, I don't know if they're, they, they're bigger favourites than um, Storm War against Cowboys because no. like, like that was a bigger mismatch in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, totally. This is this is yeah, this no, is more. We're, of a, we're a top four side who yeah. won their prelim. You know, this that's, is more by this definition. Is more of a contest. If you if you're a top four side who won their prelim, yeah, you're a very good odds Look, to win beat, the grand we, final. We, we beat this, you know, at, at the end of it, you know, you well, we believe, beat the Storm twice. Would you believe the Raiders are at three dollars? Yeah. to win this match with a start of 7.5. Yeah, I knew they were $3. And one of the Roosters is $1.20. Take the Raiders at, at 1 to 12 is $3.75. The Roosters are at one forty for the line and with a minus one ninety with a with a 7.5. Now, I don't want to turn this into a gambling podcast because I'm totally against gambling. Kids do not gamble. Yep. Um, and I don't have any gambling apps or... Whereas I do, people. Phones or any, anything like that. It's true. Um... But when about six weeks ago, when the Raiders were turned to one to win the premiership, I thought I should put a hundred dollars on this, <laughs> just in case we do win the premiership. They'll have just like this great thousand dollar 
Victory bonus. fund. Yeah, that's anyway, true. I didn't do that it, is so. a big thing. I didn't do it. Anyway, you have been listening to the uh, the number three uh, Raiders podcast on the internet, the grand final edition um, of Raiders Review with Blake and the Pork. I am the Pork. I'm Blake. And get to the ground. Wear your green. There's still tickets. There's still tickets. Scream. Don't give up. Don't give up. Fight. Hug Raiders fans. Yeah, just get in there. Get in there. And uh, Blake, you've got a song to take us out. Yes, we're going back to I Still Love It. We played it on the show before. People said it was terrible. It got played at the ground. People said it was terrible. But in my heart, this is the true song of the Canberra Raiders. It's terrible, this is, this people. Is, I'm completely is, against this. This has not been authorised It by is the not terrible. It's one for the true believers. It's one for the people that go all the way back. And uh, here we go. We are the Canberra Raiders. Just dreadful. Play that banjo. <laughs> 